what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Pop Culture Podcast. Welcome back. I hope you're doing really well. What's going on? How you been this week? One seat's turned the gain down a little bit there. Ooh, that sounds better. It is warm up here this morning. Man, it's warm. It's funny how, as a Victorian, anything over 20 degrees starts to feel a little bit like a sauna. And this morning, I actually don't know what temperature it is outside just yet i should i should ask siri but she's she's on the other side of the room now and i don't want to leave you guys now i've sat down with you but uh it's still i think humidity is the thing humidity is the thing that gets you up here in cans is uh is what i've started to realize and uh this morning's humid i'm i'm sweating of uh the the hair doesn't go really well up here i'm going to be honest i've got the hat on for for a couple of episodes in a row because as you can you can see here that uh, it actually, you know what, it actually does go quite well. I've just taken that off to make a point to to explain to you why the hat is on. Yeah, it's just a little fluffy. It feels as though it could go wrong at any moment. And uh, in the name of vanity, I, uh, I think it's in, important for us to to maybe just keep this one on. But we've got the, it's true holiday vibes. Where I'm staying, it's a place called Trinity Beach. And there's a there's a lot of accommodation around here. There's a lot of there's a lot of resorts. There's a lot of hotels. My mother-in-law just seems to live in the middle of it. I think she's the only resident in the town of Trinity Beach, and I don't really know why because it's a it's a very pretty town. The The house prices are cheap. I got onto realestate.com last night, and I typed, in, I typed in the address. I wanted to see what we were working with here because coming from Melbourne, the town that I live in, you, you, can, buy, you can buy the worst house in any other neighbourhood for over a million dollars without any questions asked. And it's not because it's a nice house. It's because, uh, it's because I think it's because people are competitive, isn't it? The name all of a sudden starts to get a bit of a reputation. If you live in an expensive suburb, then all of a sudden it becomes, it's kind of cool to, to live there. And it's, it's fun because real estate, it's more, than, it's more than just a house, isn't it? It's like a little, uh, how would you explain it? It's a little opportunity to, it's like a little trophy. It's a trophy that you live inside of, is what it is to, to, to a lot of people. And uh, at the moment, the trophy that I live inside of is, it's just a, it's a trophy that I'm renting. It's a trophy that I'm renting because it's not, a, it's not that good a house. I live in an okay house. It's on a big block. I, I reckon it would be like three quarters of an acre. And the house, if you bought the property that I live in, you would knock it down and you'd build something fresh on there because the truth, it's not, it's not that special. It's nice. It's fine. When it gets windy, the, the house wobbles a little bit, which is, you know, either soothing or frustrating, depending on what, what mood you're in or depending on what, if it's a northerly or westerly or easterly. I'm not sure why I did such a narrow space of movement on the compass there. That would be a, a northerly or southerly, I think a fisherman would say. But you would knock it down, and, and if you're thinking about money, which is what most of us are thinking about when it comes to real estate, you would build two houses on the block because it's across the road from the beach. It's, uh, and it's just what the neighbours have done, essentially. So, if you, so, so here's the thing. I'm trying to – you'd be silly to buy – I think you're silly to buy a house in my suburb now. I think. Unless, you've, unless money is a if you, look, if you're at a point with money right now where a million dollars isn't, isn't too big a deal, which some of you probably are. Do you know what I mean? Some of you probably didn't muck around. You just got straight into the work world. You invested it well. You paid off your mortgage. And now all of a sudden, the property price has shot through the roof. You're, you're ready to roll, baby. Move. Come on down. Come on down. Come live in a nice Come live in a nice, nice house, a nice trophy. It'd be nice to have your friend. You know when you're a kid and you have trophies on your wall and the biggest one always stands out? That's what you could be. You could be that down in Point Lonsdale. You should, you should come down. Knock the house, I'll rent it off you. You know what I mean? I'll, I'm happy to rent it off you if you'd like me to. You just let me know how it works. But, but that's the thing. It's interesting to see that there's still reasonably priced places in, in Australia. And, and where we are right now is that. Uh, Trinity Beach, I typed in a house last night. I went to realestate.com. I said, hey, just show us the best you've got. There was five bedrooms, two bathrooms, couple of car parks. And I think it was, I think it was maybe $800,000 Aussie. Which in Australia at the moment is it's a it's a bargain. But then that was like a quite a luxurious. I don't need five bedrooms. What do I need five bedrooms for? 
I don't need five. I mean, I could figure out reasons for them. I reckon if I got five bedrooms, I could figure out a reason to use another couple of bedrooms. The house that we're living in now, they say it's four bedroom, but one bedroom I can't stand up in. The other bedroom, all it fit, I'm not kidding, all it fits as a bed, which is fine. But it's nice to have like a little bit of leg room to, to store some clothes or to put a little shelf or to put a bedside table in. But the angle of our house is like, it's like, it's a triangle house. And it, it just so happens that the bedroom uh, that I'm speaking about right now, it's in the triangle. So you got to go in and you just got, you got to duck right down. Otherwise you're going to bang your head on the top of our roof, which is, it wouldn't hurt because it's a soft plaster, but it's still frustrating because you don't you don't want to be cramped like that in your in your in your bedroom. You want to go in there and just relax a little bit. You don't want to be thinking about am I going to bang my head on the roof? Do you know what I mean? Is there a possum in that side of the roof? I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little scare to. Yeah, there'd be no possums or rats in our house uh, to be honest. Like it's just like a, the angle of our house. It's just not conducive to to any wildlife. Because it'd be like a slide. The only it'd be a park. It'd be a park for wild for wild animals. I think so. The only animals that you would disrupt if you banged your head on the spare room roof of my house would be any animals who are there just playing with mates, which isn't essential to be honest. It's probably time for them to go home. I'm not sure the nocturnal animals need to go home because as as you and I know, we're not nocturnal. It's nice to be able to go to sleep at night time. You don't want a possum who's just at the peak of his powers in what's the middle of the day for him just going up and down the roof with his rat mate. Do you know what I mean? They've just gone out, had a little snack, had some possum coke and thought, hey, let's go to Popplestone's house and, and do the roof slide. It's frustrating because you hear the paws on the roof as they're climbing back up. You would. I, I'm speaking about this now as, as though it's a real thing, as though it's actually happened. But the truth is it's never happened. No one has ever stayed in that room and come down and said, hey, uh, did you notice that there was a wildlife park up there for, uh, you know, for possums? I hope they don't listen to this though, because I'm going to start giving them ideas. The the other room that we had, it was frustrating because I didn't get a chance to look through the house before we got in there. And, and I mean, it's a, it's a great house. It's a great location. I'm very happy with it. But the problem is when, when my wife went and checked it out, she called me, she goes, babe, it is four bedrooms. You've got your own study. There's a, there's a guest room, there's a room for an expanding family, then there's a room for us. I thought, well, that, that is unreal. I said, babe, put in the offer. Like, let's lock that one in. And she goes, babe, I already have. I said, you're a good woman. I said, not only are you pretty, you're smart. Not only are you smart, you're coordinated. And coordination's a really, a really big thing for me. It's something that uh, any woman that I would ever date would need to be coordinated. I, I don't have a lot of time for for people who wear their watch on their right hand. Because I don't know if you actually know this, but if you, I, that's not true. If you've got your watch on the right hand, just leave it there. I love you, I was joking. But th there's definitely a correlation. And ask yourself honestly, I wanna know this truthfully because this is just a little bit of field research for me. If you've got your watch on your right hand right now, ask, ask yourself, are you a coordinated person? I think there's a direct correlation between watches on right hands and lack of coordination. I don't know how I found this out, but it just, it just so happened to be something I observed over the course of my years. And maybe don't ask yourself, because you, be, you could have a habit of, of being dishonest to yourself when the, uh, in the coordination department. Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, hey, sweetie, honestly, don't say sweetie if it's your daughter. I mean, you could say that, actually. That's, that's acceptable. But if it's your dad, don't do that, because dads, dads don't like being spoken down to like that. But if there's a person that you could call sweetie, it doesn't even really matter how you address them, to be fair. Turn to the person closest to you if you, if you know them well and just ask the question, am I, am I coordinated? It's interesting to know. Pay attention to that. Just have a look at the people in your life. Have a look at the, the hand that they have their watch on, the wrist that they have their watch on. I, I have a theory that people with their watch on their left hand are, are, are a lot more coordinated than those with their watch on the right. I've been proven wrong from time to time, but it's rare. Why am I talking about coordination again? What was I talking about? Possum slides. I was talking about the, my wife. My wife found it. She said, look, it's perfect. And, I, and we got it. They, the real estate agent called back and said, hey, you'll never believe it. You've got it. We said, we can't believe it. This is a dream come true. So we, w we went around and, uh, and got, the, got the keys to this, this dream rental property. And I, I went up to see my new study because uh, I'd, I'd never had a study before. I thought, well, this is fantastic. The amount of creati creative, the amount of creation that's going to take place in this room, it's going to be mind-blowing. 
And I, wa I walked in, I'm not kidding, I, I opened the door and I walked in at such a pace, I banged my head on the downward slide of the roof. I said, sweetie, this isn't going to work. Where's the, where's the study? And she goes, oh, that's it. Could you, could you maybe hunch over a little bit as you, as you do it? Like, would, you, would it really matter if you worked like this? I said, look, it's not ideal. I like to be able to look at my computer as I'm typing on it. She's like, no, but just for a couple of hours a day, do you reckon you could maybe just go, like, could you just look at it like this? Just pretend you're a hunchback. You know what I mean? Just embrace life as a hunchback for a couple of hours. Don't be so selfish. I said, sweetie, look, here's the thing. It's just not going to work. And so we figured it out. But that's the thing. I went to our first, the, the very first house that we ever went to was like a, it was a poo brown colour. I tried to call it chocolate over the phone to Jessie, but she got there and she was like, babe, I, you, you told me this was nice. I said, it's all about perspective, sweetie. It's all about the way you look at the world. And she goes, look, be honest with yourself. If you look at the world uh, through clear eyes and clear lenses, would you look at this house as though it's pretty? And I said, no. And she goes, that's, that's the point that I was trying to make. I said, well, okay. But up here, I tell you, I don't know what's going on. If you want to buy a house, this is the place to do it. Come to Cairns, I think. Not too many of you, just a few of you, because we don't want the sky, the prices to skyrocket. But it's, it is unbelievable what you can get up here. I think I, I asked my, uh, I asked my, my wife's mum last night, I said, why is it so cheap? And she goes, well, you've got to think about it. Not everyone likes the heat. Like, we're coming into winter now, and I reckon today's going to hit 30 degrees. It's, it's beautiful. I love the heat. I'm a, I'm a heat kind of man. I will, any chance I can get to walk around with my shirt off in winter, I'll take. And, and that's exactly what I've been doing. I only put a shirt on to be respectful to you guys for this particular episode. But any particular chance that I'll get to, uh, to have my shirt off any time of the year, I'm going to take it. And here, it's a 12-month-of-the-year it's a uh, possibility and, and for me that's a selling point she said the the problem that we get a lot of cane toads I said cane toads are fine I'm not I'm not that fussed about cane toads like that'd be fun for me and Charlie to go out and uh, we could go out and you know those stories when you're a kid yeah people go out with the the golf clubs and they just practice hitting the cane toads because if you're not from Australia even if you are you're not familiar with the uh, the world of cane toads if you're hitting if you're around cane toads, they're poisonous. They can kill your dogs. They can get in their water. And whatever. Yeah, toad stuff, whatever comes out of their skin, it always seems to be a little bit freaky. Either you trip and you think you're something you're not, or it just kills your dog. So I'm saying toads aren't mucking around. And these cane toads are no exception. They've had a reputation up here for a long time of killing a lot of dogs. They're, they're not here to make friends. Look, they're just they're here to they're here to mate. They're here to they're here to find a little girlfriend, do dirty things with and uh, and bring on the next generations of cane toads. Because uh, they've got a reputation for being little sluts, to be truthful. There's that many of them. Uh, it, it's actually just quite disgusting. I, I have no idea how a toad could look at another toad, uh, despite how shiny its coat is, and say, you know what, I, I, I've got feelings for you. But they do. And they do it regularly. They do it annually. And they probably even do it uh, when we're not watching, because that's just the kind of animal that they are. But there's such a, there's such a burden to, to the area that people will go out with golf clubs and, and just start whacking it. So you get a driver, you'll get a nine iron, and you'll just whack the shit out of it. You can't do, you can't do what my friend did when, when he was a kid. He came up here and his dad said, hey, um, we're going to go out and, uh, and practice our golf on the cane toads and he's like oh dad that's fantastic so his dad told him about the concept and uh he said oh, so essentially we're going to practice golf that's it's, it's exactly what we're doing just imagine this is the golf ball you're coming out to work on your swing problem was this kid uh like you're supposed to take him out with one hit just in the name of i don't know if you can say in the name of friendliness when you're talking about whacking an animal with a golf club but if there's any friendly way to do it, it's like you, you want a direct kill. You don't want them to be laying around in agony, do you? It's just not nice. Like You want to get rid of the problem, but you want to do it as pain-free as possible. This kid was eight. He didn't understand. He just heard his dad say he wanted to practice his golf. So he went out there with a putter. And uh, I'm not sure how far he was from home when he found this poor cane toad, but but he must have practiced 150 putts. He got, the, he got the cane toad back to the front door and it was still alive. It couldn't hop anymore. It was just a very demoralized cane toad. So if you look, if you're trying to teach your kid golf on the cane toads, please, just please, in the name in the name of their safety and their joy and the future of their population, don't practice your putting. That's just cruel. I would say even a sand wedge is cruel. A sand wedge is cruel because you could just get them mid-hop and it could just elevate the launch and they might think they have some superpower temporarily, which is um, I mean, it's exciting for the moment that they're up there, but for the moment, as soon as they come back down and realize their legs have snapped because they couldn't handle the burden of weight that went through their legs upon their landing, uh, things start to get a little bit more. It's just disheartening. What, what I'm saying is just, hey, look after yourself, look after them. 
All right, I don't want to ruin the fun, but I'm just saying you can't pout with a cane toad because it's just, it's, it's cruel. Any form of animal I wouldn't encourage uh, putting with. To be honest, I probably couldn't hit him even with a golf club, even if I was taking him out. Because I would slice, you know what I mean? Like, I would, I would be embarrassed about the direction that they would go. I'd be out there with friends and say, hey, let's go kill a cane toad. And then there'd be nothing more embarrassing than having to yell four uh, because the cane toad's going in the wrong direction to what you wanted it to. It's gone towards the main road where the people are drinking coffee and you don't want them to get whacked in the back of the head with a cane toad. So, uh, I mean, it's embarrassing enough on a, a normal fairway just to, to yell four, but... Uh, uh, you know, when it comes to a wild, poisonous animal going towards someone's muesli bowl in the morning as they're trying to unwind and just get into their day, it, I, I personally just think it's a frustrating way to start the day. So be careful, be, be careful, but uh, but have fun at the same time is, is what I'm saying. I mean, another, another selling point to up here would be the beaches. The beaches are absolutely beautiful. Google Trinity Beach. Do yourself a favor and have a look at that. I went down there the other day and you can always spot the tourist because it's the bloke who, the moment he gets there, he has to pull his phone out. He can't just be in the moment and enjoy what it is he sees. He's got to take out that phone and start and start trying to store what he's seeing digitally. And that was me. I went down there the other day. And before I could really even fully appreciate what it was I was witnessing, my phone was in my hand without any conscious awareness. And I was just, I was just snapping photos. I was just trying to get get a few little snaps, and uh, I posted one on Instagram. I thought it looked good. Personally, they got nowhere near the amount of attention I thought it deserved. Because uh, I think people are more interested. You got to you, you want love on Instagram. You got to post the family shots. I'm always interested in this. I uh, I think the family shots are, are what people are about. It, it hits something sweet deep down in a people's spirit. I think, or maybe that's just. I think it's because most of my family is is my followers on Instagram. Actually, don't look too far into my theory just then, because. Yeah, I think the reason my family shots get the most likes is out of my other photos is it's my family on there. That's just my family. So uh, I thought I'd I thought I'd have a realization with Instagram that might have helped you with your with your like counts. But the truth is, uh, it's my mum and her friends who follow me on Instagram, and they're they're very fascinated to to find out what's going on. But man, the beaches here they are beautiful. Can't swim in them. <laughs> you can't swim in. They've got nets all the way along the beach. So there's there's probably a net every. Actually, I've only seen two nets, to be truthful. So probably every 120 kilometers, there's a net that you can swim in. They're about 50 meters uh, in width by about 50 meters in length. So you can swim out. And the reason they're there is because we're in a, we're in a, like a, a tropical, as they call it, location. So uh, in a tropical location, you always get like the warm waters. They seem to attract, they say it attracts the odd crocodile, which I'm not sure. I went to the crocodile park the other day. The crocodile guy said, look, there's not many at the beach. People have gone missing in the past, but it's not something you need to worry about. I go, look, truthfully, um, I'm just coming to terms with the fact that sharks are out there. So the fact that you're now telling me there's a couple of crocodiles, I probably just won't swim anywhere uh, that's not inside that net. And he said, that's probably a safe idea. But they've got those box jellyfish. Um, it's weird. You walk, along the, you walk along the foreshore here, and there's like little storage compartments just with really powerful vinegar. Because apparently, if you get stung by a stinger, one of the most effective ways to... Uh, you know, just to back off that sting is to add some vinegar to the burn. So uh, it's weird. I'm, I'm sure it was in a vinegar container, but it was blue. So maybe it's got some kind of ointment in there as well, just to try and just to try and heal the wounds quite quickly. But uh, whenever whenever you've got warnings about deadly jellyfish, about crocodiles, about sharks, and you've got vinegar on the foreshore, maybe don't swim. Maybe just go to the cafe across the road. They're lovely. They're air conditioned. I had an acai bowl the other day and was more than happy with it. Uh, there was no, there was very little chance. We were 60 meters away from the beach. There was very little chance of a crocodile attack happening as I ate the acai bowl. However, once you get onto that sand, yeah, you're in their house now, essentially. That's their front door. That's the moat. It's a reverse moat. The water is their house. The sand is their moat. They haven't understood that people being uh, being land animals, uh, navigating our way through soft sand is, is, I mean, it's slightly difficult, but getting through the hard sands are very easy. So I'm not sure if they've they've had that there or left it there for the protection of them and their family, but they haven't thought it through well because, uh, you know, we're not aquatic animals. We're not aquatic animals. I heard the other day they can swim at, I think it was, I think they can swim at 27 kilometers an hour. I'm not sure how fast they can maintain it, but the bloke who was telling us that said that Michael Phelps, the fastest he's ever been recorded swimming was, was it nine? Nine K an hour? That would, that would work. 
Because I think three minute K pace for a runner is 20 kilometers an hour. So surely Phelps, he could swim slightly less than half that pace just for a little bit of time. But that's incredible, isn't it? 27 Ks an hour for a crocodile in the water. Usain Bolt, I think he operates at maybe 38 or 39 K an hour when he, when he ran his 100 meter world record. So uh, they're no Usain Bolt on land, but a crocodile in the water, I think the fastest... The, like the average human's going to swim in the water, this guy's. I've retained a lot of this conversation. I can't believe how interesting I found it. Three kilometers an hour. Uh, so it's terrifying to think that I could be 24 kilometers ahead of this crocodile and he got a scent for me, give him an hour, he'd bite my foot off. That's embarrassing. I need to go. <laughs> I need swimming lessons or a tail uh, is what I need or some gills or just to stay out of the water, which is my option. So, uh, yeah, here's the thing. But some, some of the locals don't really pay that much attention to, to the warnings. Cause I saw a bloke yesterday. I was, or the other day I was doing some beach sprints just to get my day started. Right. And, uh, I was on the soft sand and, and the water would sort of come up towards my feet and I would jump away. Cause I was thinking, crap, what if there's a dangerous stinger in that water just there? I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get my foot stung. And, and it turns out, I think I'm just a complete tourist because there was a guy uh, down, on the, uh, down on the beach and he walked down, he had his thongs on. If you're American, there his flip-flops. He had his board shorts, he had his singlet. And uh, <clears throat> I wish I didn't tell you that that was his, that was his, uh, his flip-flops. I wish I just had to let you imagine what was going on at this beach. It gets wild here in Cairns and this man loved it. He was all about it. He walked down there in his thong and he is just ready for a swim. That was, you know what I mean. It's just every now and then you you reverse, you reverse to a point that you should have just skipped through, and that was one because that voice I did is not a voice I'm a fan of. He got he got put it this way. He got down to his speedos and he just he got in the water like it was nothing, and I felt like I was watching a thriller. I was very nervous for his safety, but also so keen to see him get stung, bitten, or attacked. Only only because only because of the warning signs is the thing. If he saw the warning signs, I'm sure. And if you've seen the warning signs and you go, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a crack anyway, well, nature will take its course. What do they call that? That's um, survival of the fittest, natural selection. I think it is natural selection. Problem with that theory is he gave me confidence after my sprints. I thought, well, if he's doing it, I could do it. And maybe that's exactly what natural selection is, isn't it? It's because a person like me will see the dangerous and reckless behavior of a person like him and think, oh, cool, you can do that. My mother-in-law had an interesting moment the other day. There's swamps all around here and there's, there's signs next to the swamps. It says, um, uh, beware of snakes. Because here there's, this, there's snakes everywhere. No, sorry, beware of crocodiles. Crocodile spottings are here recently. And she said, Jessica, we have to put, they have to put those signs up. I want to take Charlie down to the creek. And... We go, are you freaking kidding? We've just been to the crocodile park. We can see how good they are at sensing out retards like us to attack. And she goes, they have to put those signs there, Jessica. There's no crocodiles here. All of a sudden, she's turned. She's been here one one year. She's turned into Steve Irwin. You can't even say turned into Steve Irwin anymore because even even he wasn't as educated as what everyone thought he was. You can't get bloody taken out by a, a giant stingray, and then people still go, no, no, Steve Irwin would have done it. At least, at least not people who are reckless. Maybe people who are reckless can still follow that Steve Irwin, Irwin bandwagon, but the average person shouldn't be doing that. I think it. I think it's ridiculous. I think. Anyway, we we grabbed our we grabbed our son. We just said, look, okay, prove it to us. Like I was, I was quite. We've been up here a week now. If she had got taken by a croc, I wouldn't have been. I, I would have been upsetting. But we would have had the house to ourselves for the rest of the week. <laughs> She's lovely. She loves these podcasts as well. I'm sorry. She's a beautiful woman. I love her dearly, but I'm just saying in that moment, if she had been attacked by a crocodile, I would have been on the crocodile side. <laughs> I don't like blood. So the truth is I probably wouldn't have been on the crocodile side. I probably just, I would have sprinted the other way. Because, you know, you always hear stories about heroic men and, uh, and, and you think, okay, in a story like that, in a situation where my mother was being attacked by a crocodile, I, I could go down there and, and I'd get that crocodile in a, in a choker hold and, uh, and I'd rescue her. But the truth is, I've, I've been to a crocodile show now. I see how powerful they are. I see how strong they are. I see how confident they are. And I go, you know what? I've got, I've, enjoy your meal. Enjoy your meal. Do you know? And she's, she's quite happy with a cheap funeral. So it's not like it, would have, it wouldn't have thrown us out of pocket too much. Um, 
I'm not sure how the inheritance situation's going. Pretty sure I'm sitting in a rental right now. So, I mean, she's not leaving us with a lot. Maybe we've got to give her a bit more time. Maybe we've got to give her a little bit more time just to just to store up what she's got to offer us at the uh, at the end of the day. But essentially what I'm doing right now is just, I'm just trying to find a way to justify the fact that I've called myself a pussy and I wouldn't save my own family from a crocodile attack. So I'm, I'm the one in the wrong. The crocodile park was interesting the other day. We uh, So they had this crocodile attack show where this guy, he was, he was good. He was like a comedian meets, he was like a comedian meets Steve Irwin uh, meets like old school crocodile hunter. It was, it was quite terrifying to an untrained eye what he was doing. Like we could see that there was a four meter crocodile in the water and he was just dipping his toes in there and explaining to us that this, this kind of behavior is how the crocodile starts to sense that there's a prayer, uh, that there's, that there's food around. They'll, uh, something about the bumps on their back give them the ability to just to be able to navigate their way through the water more effectively understand uh, I think they had like a two I think it was 280 degrees of vision so uh, yeah essentially it was just saying like you shouldn't be doing what I'm doing you shouldn't be doing what I'm doing then all of a sudden he gets like a chicken and just drops it in the water and this bloody crocodile just jumps out and I think what it is it's just to say hey swim in the nets just, if you're going to do it, just swim in the nets. Be careful. Be, stop being silly. Even Charlie, he was, he was funny. He was sitting there, my little boy. Uh, the crocodile would come in and out of the water. And there was 100 people watching the show. It was funny at the start and then just got embarrassing. The crocodile would come out of the water and Char- he would go back in and, and Charlie would just say goodbye to the crocodile. He would go bye-bye. And at the start, everyone laughed. The crocodile hunter gave him a clap. And then after 12 times, even the crocodile guy was like, hey, mate, I'm, just, I'm, tr- I'm trying to do a show. My 18-month-old didn't get it. He just kept... He just kept saying bye-bye and uh, like anything for a laugh is what he thought. If this keeps getting laughs, I'll keep doing it. And uh, I, I mean, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because had that been me, I would have done that as well. But um, it, was a, it was a pretty cool experience. There was, one, there was one crocodile that was, I don't know how big it was, but you've got to see him up close. It's, it's, in, it's insane. It's insane. YouTube doesn't do justice. I thought going out there, this is going to be the most boring day of my life. And, and by the end of it, I, uh, I'm actually thinking about a career change. I'm half open in, in becoming a crocodile hunter of, of my own. I'm, I'm not sure how to do it, where to start, if I'm Aussie enough or if I, if I have the confidence. Because the truth is, I think the show, the show wouldn't be as interesting if you had a bloke like me trying to feed the crocodiles. Because as the crocodile uh, comes to the surface, you need to be in position. Uh, and I, I just feel as though if I was the man... Who is, who is supposed to be in position. As a crocodile come to the surface, I'll jump the fence is, is the thing. The crocodile would never get fed. Uh, and the, the show would be popular, but it wouldn't be popular because of the fact that the crocodile's attack was brilliant. It would be because the crocodile feeder was a bitch and, and people on YouTube just love showing their young boys that, saying, hey, when you grow up, don't, don't be this guy. And so as I, as I say that out loud, I realise that, uh, look, I, I, don't think the, I don't think the crocodile world is, is for me. I'm just not bred like that. I'm too much of a city boy. I think I was raised in a household which was uh, maybe too cautious. And now I'm at an age where I'm 30. Maybe that's just a sign that you've done the job right. Like as a parent, if my kid said to me, Dad, I want to feed crocodiles for a living... I'd probably reflect back on on the lessons that I taught him, and just ask the question: Hey, where where did it all go wrong? Is is probably the question that I would ask. Where where did we lose him? But in saying that, the open mic comedy scene's probably like you can't you can't get attacked. Well, you can get attacked actually. That's happened many times. Not physically, but emotionally, you can be abused. And uh, I guess essentially, I am a crocodile feeder. The audience is sitting there saying, hey, hey, do something crazy. And I'm, and I'm sitting there just going, hey, just like my jokes. I'm up there just racking my brain for the funniest thing I can say. And, and, and then you've just got people out there heckling, just seeing, just seeing if they can break you emotionally. I've seen a couple of comedians break emotionally as well. It's my favourite thing to watch. I love it. Because, because when you're heckled, you have to kind of roll with the punches a little bit. You can't get upset because... Because that's the thing. Like sitting there at a crocodile park, you want the you you kind of want something. You're cheering for the people feeding the crocodile, but you're also thinking, I hope it bites her arm off just so I could say I was here. Because you want to witness that crazy. You know, everyone's filming. You know that'll get views on YouTube. So you're going, all right, look. If it happens, it's just uh, that's what God wanted. I think he's. Uh, I think it's the only thing that you can say. If it happens, that's, that's the way God wanted it to be. He wanted that lady 
he wanted that lady to lose her arm. But it's so funny, yeah, the comedian, the, the, the comedy scene, if, if you can see a comedian break emotionally on stage, it's, it's a sad, sad thing, but it's also, it's just so beautiful to watch. It is so funny to watch. I, I saw a guy once, um, I saw a guy once get abused by a lady at the back and stop his whole set in, like in, in anger and, and just abuse her. And there's a fine, which is fine, because I think one thing that people don't realise about a comedian is they're very serious about their jokes. For a for such a funny scene, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of psychological damage. There's a lot of uh, emotional instability. There's a lot of alcohol consumption. There's a lot of drug addicts. So the response of the comedian is not going to be known to the audience, or in many cases, even to the comedian, until it happens. And, and so to watch them break on stage is very, very funny. In fact, it's, it's sometimes the thing that gets the most laugh. It's the thing that, as long as it's not me on stage, I'm, I'm happy is the thing. Anyway. So that's what's going on up here. Crocodile parks and uh, stingrays and cane toads and mother-in-laws. Um, yeah, it's, my mother-in-law's great. She's a, she's a very religious lady, though. She's a very religious she used to be a christian and, and now she's she's gone into some form of like judaism maybe i, I don't know it's uh i can't remember the name of it but she won't even allow you to say the word yoga around her you can't say the word jesus because it has to be yasus or something yahushua i'm not sure what that is but it's uh it's very hard it's it's like if i was a kid being raised with a family like that, I think I'll turn into a prostitute. Is what it is. It's one of those kind of ones. You know, you know when you're raised in like a Westboro Baptist church, and then all you want to do is get away from there, and and you get out, and you just turn into a big slut, and you're an alcoholic. And I think I think that's what I would become uh, if I was being raised by by that. But I mean, she's got she's got a good heart, but it's just hard to be around because I love doing yoga. Um, yeah, now, just for the week that I'm here, I have to call it stretching. I've got to call it stretching just to, uh, just to keep it happy. But yesterday it was very funny because we went to Port Douglas. And, and as we were in Port Douglas, we were walking past a cotton on and there was a shirt and it, it just had Nirvana written across the, the front of it. But my mother-in-law, she's gone through a phase. It was an acid wash shirt. And she was, she's gone through a phase where, I'm not sure why, she likes dressing my kid in, in acid wash, which is, which is kind of problematic because I think acid wash, I think the... I think the the secret's in the name, isn't it? Like the, the designer of that clothes was on drugs and uh, the patterns that he was seeing, that, it was just ironic to me. But what was more ironic was the name that was on the shirt. Like we can't say yoga, but uh, she saw this Nirvana shirt and she thought, oh my gosh, that's so cute. We've got to get it for Charlie. Me and Jesse looked at each other and, and we thought, well, hang on a second, because I mean, I Googled this before to, to make sure that I had it right. But Nirvana in Buddhism, it's like the that final stage of freedom from like emotion and pain and uh, and she just had she had no idea, which is fine and funny, because we we wanted our kid to have a couple more shirts anyway. And we're, we're I'm a I'm a fan of the band, I'm a fan of the concept, and and she just didn't know. And I, I wanted to tell her so bad, but Jesse wouldn't let me because because we knew that if I did, she'd she'd make us burn it. She'd she'd make us light it on fire and put it in the bin, and uh, apologize to Yahushua. Look at that! I've been in the house for a week now, and anytime I say the word Jesus, it's uh, it's all your Yahushua. So uh, I don't know, maybe she's converting me. Maybe she's converting me. It's very strange though, just trying to... People's ideas are very funny. And you notice this through, you notice this through the election. We just had the Australian election here. And depending on who you're talking to is, is going to really dictate the message that you take away from, from, from the result. So, so like the, I don't know what I'm talking about with politics either. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't take notes on any of this. But this is just an observation I had. Uh, I saw a, I saw a couple of people on Facebook celebrating the outcome. Labor government got in, no worries. Okay. Uh, I saw a couple of people on Facebook disappointed with it. But then there's always the extreme, like whatever field you're in, there's always an extreme. There's always someone who they they take it to a place that that they and their their friends believe is reasonable. Maybe you believe this. So, uh, I mean, I mean, look, let's just let's just be honest. As, as my mother-in-law again, as I had a chat with her and she goes, this is the start of the new world order. I said, wait, what, what does that mean? 
And why is it starting in Australia? She goes, just watch, you, you'll, you'll figure it out. Everyone who's had the vaccine will die in five years. I go, wait, what's that got to... I'm so confused. What? Yeah, I, I have a lot of trouble with that. Like, cults are funny to the outsider because what's being said, what's being taught, it's so preposterous, it's so crazy, it's so ridiculous that, like, how do you, how do you take it seriously? And yet, when you're in there, you believe it wholeheartedly. And I think she's in that faith. And I mean, there's probably plenty of things that I believe, but she's in there. I, this, is, this is where it got to. I, I said to her, I said, look, Leanne, I disagree completely with what you're saying. Can we make, how much do you believe it? She goes, I'm 100%. I said, okay, well, so am I. Which is, I mean, you should never be 100%. I say, um, I mean, I'm pretty close to 100% that everyone's going to be fine. Uh, but mate, we might look back at this podcast and, uh, I, I mean, I, and just... You know, well, maybe we won't look back at this podcast because uh, we won't be around anymore. But I said, okay, well, let's make a $5,000 bet that in 2028, if everyone who had the needle is still around, you owe me five grand. And she goes, easiest money I've ever made. I said, oh my gosh, all right, we're just, uh, we're in a different world. But I've got friends like that now. I've got, I've got friends who, during the lockdown period, they've, and, and, Here's the thing. I understand what it's like to be on their side and looking at everyone else and going, oh, well, you'll see. You'll see. But, but sometimes you don't see. Like, I remember a, a, year, a year and a half ago, and maybe I'll eat these words. A year and a half ago, I had people telling me that they're, they're building massive camps, uh, quarantine camps, that, which are actually going to be used to store the unvaccinated. And I thought, oh, really? That's bloody scary. But, but now those same people, they say, no, no, actually, we got that wrong. It's actually, they're going to be used to store the vaccinated. I go, wait, what? 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 Why can't they just stay at their house? What's happened? Why, <laughs> Why is anyone being stored? And then, um, and then on the news, this thing comes on about monkeypox. And, and the same people go, ah, okay, so it's actually... It's probably going to be used to store the vaccinated and the monkeypox people, and I just I just can't keep up with it. There's just too many there's too many theories to keep up with. There's too many ideas to keep up with. And it's I think sometimes it's easy to switch off. Maybe that's what they want from us, though. Maybe they want if any of this is true. Maybe they want us to switch off. I don't know who they are. People keep saying it's the World Health Organization, United Nations. Maybe I'm just very confused. I hope we look back in in ten years and go. All right, we're all a little bit panicked because we've we've had our feathers ruffled a bit the last two years, haven't we? We've uh, we've been put under pressure, and, and pressure does funny things. I mean, it crushes some people, and and then this is a cliche, but it also forms diamonds. And yet, I've seen some people come out of lockdown with man boobs, and I've seen some people convert man boobs into into chiselled pecs. I mean, they're the diamonds under pressure. So it'll be very interesting. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure, but. Uh, Mental illness is an easier thing to fall into, I think, than, than what you realise. Because if everyone around you is mentally ill... Remember, I said on the show last week that, that I went to a church where everyone spoke in tongues. And then if I wasn't speaking in tongues, I was the weird one. When I was highly convinced that I wasn't the weird one, and I'm confident that most of you are on my side, relatively confident. But if you, if you spend enough time with enough crazies, then all of a sudden the crazy becomes normal. And if you're not doing what's crazy, then, then you're the crazy one. No one wants to be crazy, so you just, you just join in the party, don't you? You just join in. You join in with whatever's got you. start praying in tongues and, uh, you know, you start, you start saying Yahushua. Maybe they're right. I don't know. But the problem is there's, just, there's, too many, there's too many religions to keep up with. Because when we were in London, my wife worked at a, an Islamic school. And my wife's a Christian, and she went in there, and, and she told the kids what they believed. And the kids were saying to her, Miss, you're so close to the truth. If only you'd convert to Allah, you'd, you'd fully see it. And we're like, hang on a second, that's, that's our line. We're, saying you're so, we're supposed to say you're so close to the truth. If only you'd read your Bible, you'd, you'd see the truth. But no one converted. It's very few people who actually convert, I think. I don't, I don't know many people who who get their minds so set on something and then and then the truth actually actually you know opens eyes a little bit because there's more than just there's more than just what's true plain isn't it like it's not just about what's true it's about what you perceive as as true i don't know i don't even know what i'm talking about this this should be called philosophy culture 
unbranded philosophy because I'm just I'm just making up stuff. But um, anyway, that all started that all started with the Nirvana shirt. I um yeah, we were walking up the street yesterday. I've got I've got really sore feet today, and I'm trying to figure out what happened. So the other day, I, we went. Uh, you know that beach sprint day where I saw that bloke stripping off into his speedos to go swimming outside the nets. We were. We were down there the other day, and I woke up the next day, and my feet are so sore. But I'm not, I'm not sure why they're sore, because I, I did the beach sprints on the soft sand. Apparently, that's really good for, for your plantar fascia. Apparently, it's really good for the development of your muscles and things like that in your feet. But uh, I'm not sure what's going on, because that, that afternoon, I went for a barefoot walk as well, just because I was being lazy. My kid didn't sleep. He hasn't slept up. He just wakes up at 5 a.m. and goes, Mum. So uh, he, he woke up, and I put him in the pram. And I, I thought I was just going to take him for a 15 minute walk. So I was like, our barefoot's fine. We ended up going for like an hour and a half. And anyway, I'm walking around like bloody Stephen Hawking the last couple of days because my feet are that sore. My plantar fascias are so tight. Um, it's weird. You, you get, it's very easy to be thrown into the basket of being a hippie when you walk around with bare feet. Anytime I see someone walking in a place that they shouldn't be barefoot in, I go, either they're homeless or they're hippie. My rule is if they've got dreadlocks, they're, they're actually that's all that could also be homeless. It's amazing the correlation between homeless and hippie, isn't it? They smell a lot of the time. No, some, some of them don't. Some of them are doing their best. Dreadlocks is a real possibility. Um, I guess there's different levels of, of homeless, to be fair. Like you've got the you've got the drug homeless. I, I went out, you know, uh, I, about five years ago, I went out with my best mate. We we stayed a night on the street just to see what it was like. It was so embarrassing as well because the rule was we had to dress up as a homeless person. We had to look like we were really doing it tough, and we were sitting on Flinders Street uh, as a homeless person, which is one of the main streets here in Melbourne, on the corner of Flinders and Swanston, outside um, outside one of the pubs. There, very very busy. And we weren't allowed to spend money, so we, we had to ask people for money. We we're going into shops and saying, "Hey, look, uh, doing it tough. Do you mind if I um, if I get a pie or a pasty or something like that?" And one of the shops we went into, my friend saw someone that he knew, and she's like, "Hey, Jocker, what's going on?" And he's like, "Oh, <laughs> nothing." Yeah, I'm trying to remember if the rule was we weren't allowed to tell them that we were just doing a challenge, or whether we weren't allowed to say what was going on. We just had to let them guess. Uh, but anyway, he ended up walking out there with a with a few pies and. It was so scary. We went and slept in the botanical gardens one night, and there's like a real camaraderie. It seems amongst the homeless people, it's like they band together because they're they're all going through the same thing. They're they're dealing with uh, some very similar problems. And uh, the guy, so we were we were in this like big rotunda, and we were sleeping on the seats. And this guy came in. He was absolutely off his head. Like I'm not sure if it was. He was smoking weed, but like there had to be more going on. Like he'd either been smoking weed since he was six, or there were some other real heavy drugs. Because his moods weren't stable. But uh, I somehow I got into a conversation with him, and I was terrified to go to sleep. I didn't want to go to sleep this night because uh, I, I just didn't feel as though it was safe. I, I was confident it wasn't safe. But you know when you get to that point where you're so tired, you've just got to shut your eyes. Anyway, I somehow Jocker, my mate, got to sleep. Uh, he, he was fine. He had the best night's sleep of his life. I got stuck in a conversation for six hours with this guy that was off his head on acid or, or weed or or something. And and the more he spoke, the more scared I was to go to sleep because I was like, 100% this guy's gonna kill, steal my kidney at, at night time, I think. It'd be tough, it'd be tough. I've heard people do like a month on the streets as well, just to get a taste for it, just to see what it's like. I honestly, like after one night, I thought, I, I went home to bed, I thought this is, this is horrific. In fact, I'm going to go as far as to say that the only thing I think is more painful than, uh, you know, spending a month on the streets at the moment is trying to sit through a game of AFL football. Have you guys noticed this? What, what's happened? What's happened? When I was a kid, like when I was a kid, only even 15, like say 20 years ago, which is crazy. It's crazy to think that 20 years ago I was 15 because 15, when you're 15, you already think you're pretty big. So, uh, yeah, wow, 35. When I was 15, I felt it was a pretty tough sport. Like, it was, a, it was a sport that you wanted to play in front of the girls because you knew that the girls would think you were pretty tough. If you, I cried too much, I think. I, I cried too much for that to be true for me. I remember one day I, uh, I was playing school football and I tackled a guy and he went to break a tackle and his wrist it hit me in the mouth and my tooth went through my lip. And when the girls are watching, you're not allowed to cry at stuff like that. You just It's a very painful experience. I mean, it's not what you want. But 
but when your tooth has come through your lip and and the girls around you are watching you, you just have to embrace you have to let that blood just run down your throat run down your neck um, you know run down your chin and, and just give them a little smile look brave look as though you're that hero that they're searching for in their life despite the fact you're all in year nine it doesn't matter it's you know it's a foundation for the rest of your life I, yeah so i i cried um I hang out with like a, a, a fairly, I guess, I had a, I had a weird friendship group. Some of mine were quite feminine, so I'd go up to those guys and go, mate, I just need a cuddle, I've hurt my mouth. And and then the other side of my friendship group were like, Tyus, I can see your tooth coming through your, through your mouth, mate. You probably want to get some tape onto that, bud. And I was like, holy crap, I'm so confused about what to do. But but now the, the, football, the, the football world's interesting. They've got this new rule in AFL football, umpire descent, where if you show any frustration towards the umpire, it's a 50-metre penalty. And it, I don't know, it's just disappointing. It's just disappointing because I, can you imagine, like if you're a passionate audience member, which I'm not really, I like Carlton, they're doing well this season. But if you're a passionate audience member, the amount of words that come out of your mouth with at any intention for you to do so, is it's quite staggering. In fact, try next time you're in an emotional situation to withhold the comment that you would like to make and see how difficult it is. It's a split second. It's not like these players have the opportunity to actually be able to sit down and ponder, like, how should I react to this? It's um, a decision's made, the hands go up in the air, and the umpire gets frustrated. I don't know. I think for me, it's, it's boiled down to a couple of things. There's so many elements of these football like of the football world now, it's just different. Like if if there's a fight on the field, there's there's so many fines given out. Fines are okay, but let the fights go on. I say, let me let me be entertained. Back in the days, like I went to I went to Rome a few years ago, and they took us through the um, oh gee, the Colosseum. I was about to call it the Parthenon. That would have been so embarrassing in front of all you guys. It took us through the Colosseum and spoke about what. Uh, what the ancient Greeks, uh, what the ancient Romans did for entertainment. So I'm stuck in Greece for some reason. I'm not 100% sure what that is. What, like, what are we doing? You can't even tackle, you can't even argue. Is that frustrating to anyone else? If you're listening from overseas, I'm sorry. It wouldn't be frustrating to you at all because, um, because you guys don't know the sport that I'm talking about. And you should because it's the, it's the best and softest sport in the world. It's like netball on a bigger... It's like netball on a bigger field. It's funny when you think about sport as well. It's funny when you actually take a step back and think about what it is that you're watching. I was watching the footy Friday night, and you think, all right, these guys, what they're doing, they're running around on a big paddock. They're grown men. They're chasing a little ball. They've got to try and get it through the sticks. And the other guys are going to try and tackle them through the ground, and, and you're not allowed to argue at the umpire. It's very... Uh, Sounds very homosexual, doesn't it? I reckon it was. It had to have been started by a homosexual man because the idea of being able to go out there, uh, they, they rub oil all over their body to make themselves a little bit slippery as well, which it sounds like something Jesse and I would have been interested in the first couple of years of marriage. But things have settled down now because we've got a kid, we've got a kid on our way. We, we can't be lathering ourselves up in baby oil and just seeing what happens, seeing if we slide off the bed because she doesn't listen to this podcast. I can say that. It's never happened, but, I mean, we often spoke about how much fun a baby oil room would be. Because you're not thinking about hygiene and stuff like that. When you make comments like that before you're married, you go, hey, in one of our houses, let's have a baby oil room. Just go and, you know, because it's nice. Like when someone's a little bit slippery, it's, it's a cool feeling. It's like a, it's an achievement when you actually catch it. You know when you're trying to take a fish off the end of a hook and they keep slipping out of your fingers, but then eventually you, you get a good grip on it and ungrip it, you unhook it, 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 you know, it's a successful moment. So I think that's what we're looking at. But when you think about, like, have you washed your feet? Have you had a shower? Like, how often would you have to change it? You'd have to change it after each use, I think. I, I just don't think it's very realistic. I'm not saying things all have to be realistic. I'm just saying that with, with something like that, and it's hard, like, it'd be hard to explain to people at your house as well what's going on in the spare room. Oh, it's, a, it's our baby oil room. It's just where we go when we want to, um, you know, see if we can have another kid. That's another thing. It's just, it's too much cleaning is, is what I'm trying to say. I'm not sure how I've, I've sort of, uh, pardon the pun, slid from AFL to, you know, to a baby oil room of, of our dream house before we got married, but but here we are. I, I think it was the way I was raised. I think the way I was raised has, has left my mind open to ideas that were, I don't know, I had a, my, my dad is amazing. My dad's unreal, but he, I think he's, I think, I think when it come to discipline, when it come to punishment, he wasn't 100% sure. I remember, like, I, I could have been a 15-year-old kid and, um, I would have been 15. And you get home from a night out at 6am, dad goes, mate, where the hell have you been? What the hell are you doing? 
It's 6 a.m. We were worried sick about you. Where have you? He's looking at mum like, am I doing a good job? Is this how you? Is this how you tell your kid off? Mum's going, hey, you're doing good, Rob. So it's 6 a.m. From now, mate, you're 15 years old. You can't be going out till 6 a.m. Looking across at mum like, am I doing good? Mum's going, yeah, you're killing it. Keep telling him off. So all right, so you're grounded, mate. I go, daddy, well, you've never grounded me. What? What do you mean? I'm, what does that mean? So from now on, he's looking across at mum. Now on, you got to be home by 3 a.m. latest. Mum's going, what the, Rob? What the fuck? 3 a.m. It was a bargain for me as well. The latest I'd been out till that point was about 10.30. I had one slip up. My grounding was dad extended my curfew by five hours. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. It's funny watching parents discipline as well. I always think, I think the females are genuinely, generally, generally the the more disciplinarian one, especially in our house. Like a lot of the things, I'll tell my kid off, but a lot of the things that genuinely upset Jesse, I find... I find hilarious. Like last night he got frustrated at the dinner table and he picked up his plate and he just threw it to the side. And I pissed myself laughing. And my mother-in-law, my wife both looked at me like, you're not helping the situation. And I knew what they were thinking was true. I, I knew I knew what they were thinking was true. But what are you going to do? It's like the umpire descent rule. You can't hide your, your initial emotion. How are you supposed to hide your initial emo- initial emotion? I've got sympathy for the players. I don't know how the umpires do it. That's why I would never be an umpire. Because a player would argue with me. I'd be like, oh, shut up, cockhead. Just kick the football. Have you actually taken a moment to think about the game we're playing? It's not as serious as you're all making it out to be. Sure, you play for Port. You've got in excess playing in the background. It feels very emotional. But you're a grown man. What are you doing? You're chasing a footy. It's an embarrassment. You're all slippery. You look like a fish. I reckon there should be a rule where an umpire can argue back to the player. Wouldn't that make football more interesting? Like if you're an AFL player and you disagree completely with the decision that the umpire's made and you go, what the hell is that umpire? And the umpire goes, what the hell is with your hairstyle, cockhead? Huh? What are you doing with your life, mate? How many? It's your fourth game. I've umpired 1,500 games because I can do multiple over a weekend. Stop being a pussy. If you want to play the game, get back out there. Or I re- like, it'd, be good to, it'd be good to employ some bigger umpires where every now and then like if they i reckon don't ban the, the player umpire fights i say what you should do that's another thing you can't even touch the umpire toby green last year uh, he walked past an umpire gave him like a little hip and shoulder and everyone freaked out he got six weeks on the sidelines and they said mate that's unacceptable but i feel as though it's very acceptable behavior i reckon umpires need a man up a little bit problem is it's such a cardio rich job they're going to be running around so much. The amount of calories that are... I don't know how many kilometres an AFL umpire runs during a game. I'm sure it's different for the field umpires and the boundary umpires. But the amount of kilometres, it's going to be hard for them to bolt. Because even if they went into the gym, they focused on their calories. They got back out there. If they're running 25Ks a game, which maybe they are, like you're doing that a couple of times a week, plus the training revolved around that specific kind of fitness, it's going to be very hard for you to put on weight. However, it'd be good. Maybe we get 25 umpires on a field, but they're all... They all look like a bouncer, like a big New Zealander. Yeah, you know those Maori, uh, like the big, the big Maoris, where they like you just you wouldn't, you can't argue back. You can't argue back. It'd be so nice just to see some umpires have a little bit more authority than than what they do, because we all know if it, if it came to the crunch, unless they're awesome at jujitsu, if it came to the crunch, the players are going to dominate. But I should be happy. Carlton are going well, eight and two. Eight games and two losses. We've lost to two. We lost to Fremantle, who are who are going all right. But we also lost to Gold Coast Suns, who actually are going all right. No, we're going good. First time since about 1995, I think, that we've been eight and two. Maybe I should stop complaining about football. Maybe it's the soft rules that are helping us. Maybe Carlton feel a little bit safer out there. I think about eight podcasts ago, I told you that, you know. My team's been getting me all pumped up for the last 15 years, and they just never seem to follow through. Look, we're only halfway through the season. But halfway through the season, I mean, eight and two. I think eight is more wins than we would have even had last year. Yeah, it's been good. I just, I just, I like watching the, uh, I like watching the footy. I always said I would never let my kid just sit down in front of the TV and watch it. But then you have a kid. That's the thing. I used to judge parents so hard. I'd walk past a parent and be like, "That parent is so shit. Look at her just sitting there on her phone." And then last night, I was sitting on the beanbag. My kid was watching a, t- a, a TV show, Blippy. And uh, my mother-in-law said, oh, they say it's not good for kids to watch TV before they're two. I go, who's they? 
Who are they? Who is this they that you're referring to? I don't think it's good for us to be watching Blippi. I, my, at least my kid loves it. I've got an issue. Like since having a kid, I look at I look at TV shows like Blippi, and I go, "How is this acceptable?" This is a thirty-five-year-old man dressed up as a dickhead, walking around the little toy pit, just trying to trying to impress kids. It's a very very strange environment. So he'll be in there, and he'll be running around. There'll be a four-year-old kid come up to him, and they go, "You're silly." He's like, "No, I'm not. I'm you're silly. I'm Blippi." Yeah, what is this? Like, what, what are we watching and why does my boy like this? Why has this video got 150 million views? That's probably, that's probably my, my biggest point of frustration is, is I work so hard at YouTube and uh, I've got a running channel. It's, got, it's just ticked over 2,000 views, and uh, 2,000 subscribers, and I think I'm a hero. I, I, actually, I actually look at myself in the mirror sometimes and I go, it's quite heroic what you've achieved. And then you see this guy's got, I, I don't know how many subscribers, but he's, I think his most popular video has 300 million views. And all he does is dress up as a dickhead Go to a kids' playground center, play with little kids, and do demonstration of kids' toys. It's a very strange career move. I, I never, I can never believe that when it comes to a dance group like the Wiggles, or when it comes to someone like Blippi, that they dreamed as a child that that's what would be they would be doing. Like, it, it is interesting to look at our future from our child, like from the eyes of what we were as children, and go, "All right, what am I going to achieve? What is it I'm going to be?" You're a purple Wiggle. You're a purple Wiggle. Speaking of the Wiggle, very racist up here. There was a, uh, a country Victoria, a country Australia, very, uh, very interesting laid back. I don't think wokeism has quite reached cans in a lot of places. I was, I was sitting at this crocodile place the other day and, uh, and an Asian man was driving a boat and the man next to us goes, that guy looks like a purple Wiggle. And his wife goes, don't be so racist. Not every Asian man is the purple Wiggle or the yellow Wiggle. You can't, just be, you can't just be stereotyping a bloke based on where he was born, based on his uh, family heritage and go, okay, maybe he looks like the old yellow wiggle. But I think that yellow wiggle, I, I think what I've done right now, I don't think he was the yellow wiggle at all. I think what I've done is a really subtle version of racism and just assumed because he's, race, uh, because he's Asian that he would have been in the, uh, in, the yellow, in the yellow, which is highly offensive. I mean, you wouldn't put me in the slightly red vest, would you? You wouldn't put Usain Bolt just in a in a black vest. You can't just be you can't just be looking at a person's skin color and going, "All right, that that color shirt will do." Because uh, first of all, a light pink shirt wouldn't look good on me. Uh, and I think it's a dark guy, Usain Bolt. He needs he needs a color that pops. I think the Jamaican color looks good, like that really bright yellow. Ooh. Yeah, I like that. The Jamaican girls are pretty as well. I've got a, I've got a little thing for the. Uh, I got a little. People often say, like, if you if you didn't marry the the girl that you married, if you didn't marry Jesse, like, what what ethnicity are you attracted to? And I like the, I think I like the South American look, but I also the African look gets me. It's the dark girls, I think. I've always been attracted to dark features, so maybe it's not that much of a surprise. But um, I mean, it, that's just that's just what it is. And you look at the you look at the Jamaican sprinters, you go, hang on a second, what's happened here? This is not even just the girls. Usain Bolt, mate, sign me up. People often say to me, if you had to have sex with a celebrity, who would it be? I go, Usain Bolt. They go, a man? I go, oh, I thought you said it had to be a man. They go, Tyus, is that your subconscious coming out? I go, I'm not sure. <laughs> That'd be a bad match. That'd be terrifying. I, don't even, I honestly don't even like to think about that. Right now, I just clenched up and uh, the thought terrifies me, to be, uh, to be, to be completely fair. And you couldn't run away from him. I mean, if you'd made your decision, you said, actually, I've changed my mind. Good luck running away from that guy. He's the world record holder over 100 metres. Even if you gave me a 50-metre head start, he'd catch me in 150 because he's also the world record holder over 200. So he's got that speed endurance that you've got to be careful of. He's got that, uh, he's got that ability. It's interesting when you watch an elite athlete try and transfer from one sport to another. Hey, did you guys notice that once Usain Bolt finished up as an Olympic athlete, Olympic sprinter, he, I think he went across to have a crack at soccer. I don't know how good he was. Football, sorry for you UK listeners. You don't know what the fuck soccer is. It's football, bro. It's interesting when you just assume that your skill level will transfer across to another sport. It's like Cody Simpson that... Um, I think he used to want to be like Justin Bieber. He's like an Australian musician or something. Now he's taking his music talent across to the swimming pool. He's actually a bloody good swimmer, though. I saw he swam 49 seconds for a 100-meter freestyle a couple of days ago, which, considering my, my best time for 50-meter freestyle back in year nine was 33 seconds. So, far out, that scared the shit out of me. Siri just spoke to me. Did you hear that? That was so embarrassing. I thought, I thought someone was at the door. 
got a little fright, but um, I guess I'm 33 seconds for 50 meters freestyle, which if you double that up, it's a, it's a minute six. And I was pretty tired after 50 meters freestyle. So Cody Simpson, well done, maybe you've done well. But anyway, I, um, I'm coming back down to Victoria on Thursday. So I'm gonna go and enjoy a little bit more of this. It's quite overcast today actually, but warm, still muggy, still muggy. So I'll go and enjoy a little bit of this overcast, muggy morning here up in Trinity Beach. And um, I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. Hope you happy Monday. Big love to uh, to you and your family. Hope your dreams come true this week. This is the week, I reckon. Come on, dreams come true this week. Boom. Tyson wants to be a millionaire, but I'm sixty. Hey, be a millionaire at forty, if that's your age. I'm not sure where that's going, but um, hey, nonetheless, have a great week. Thanks for stopping by. See you all here next week. <laughs>